I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome to the Junk Time Effort Podcast for round two, 2022. We're coming to you from Wayne Jackson Studios and Rod Carter Studios. My name is Michael Chamberlain and joining me is a man who has been fired as head of security at the SCG. It's Adam Rosenbachs. Ah, g'day, Michael. Yes, I was up at the SCG on Friday night. What an exciting time it was. Buddy Franklin kicking his 1,000th goal. And the AFL came to me earlier in the week and said, uh, Rosie, mate, champ. We is a big chance that Buddy's going to kick a thousand. I was like, mate, not this week. Did you see him last week? He only kicked one. The guy is fucking past it. You don't need a big uh, security team there. He's not going to get anywhere near it. I hired a couple of mates. I got a couple of my friends, and these are crack security guards, right? Now, you know, I've been to the Middle East. I know a lot of SAS blokes. I thought, I won't use those guys. They're probably a little bit too heavy handed. I'll use some of my mates who. Or there. Or there. Busy giving evidence. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Yes, person 17. Couldn't make it. Um, I use some of my mates, and you may have seen these guys, and these guys, they fucking know security. You cannot put a foot... You, can, you cannot get anything past these guys. A lot of my mates who work at Chemist Warehouse... Now, if mm. you go into Chemist Warehouse, the yep. looks that you get, yep. not only when you enter, but when you come out with your chlamydia prescription... I mean, these guys are red hot when they're looking through your bag. They... They're on to you. Well, and, and also they're probably bored and looking for a bit more of action because they're no longer doing the um, the temperature check when you go into a chemist's warehouse. So yeah. They're, kind of, yeah, they're all at sea. They don't know what to do they're, with themselves. They're all at sea. So I've got a bunch of those guys. And i got some of my friends who work the slow-go poles, uh, working the traffic controls around building sites. So this team, they, nothing gets past these people. Like, sure... You might drive past them as a crane's lowering, you know, a thousand tons of bricks onto a truck and they're looking at their phone, but they know what's going on. They see, they can see peripheral. They're onto it. They look like they're fucking just texting their mates and getting on Instagram and all that sort of stuff, but they're not, Michael. They're a crack team. And so, surprise, lo and behold, Buddy Franklin, when he got to 9.99, I was like, oh, fuck, I'm in trouble here. Because the other thing that I was really banking on, I was kind of hoping that Chris Scott might do a Clarko and drop someone in the hole mm-hmm. when Buddy got to 999, just to really fuck him right up. Get a bit of payback for Clarko doing that to Fev all those years ago. Or also the fact that, um, uh, you know, Buddy's, what, 35 years old or something now? Mm. So John Lime, John Lime would have been, look, he's paid, played a half. Yeah. Played a half and a quarter. I just want to... Get him off. Get him off. Save him for, for September. Mm, absolutely. So he kicks his thousandth, and i got to say, uh, fucking hell, the uh, the people were very quick who got over the fence and out to Buddy, weren't they? Uh, they were incredible. Um, I think it didn't help that you had about three people working there with your crack team. Because even before he did it, I was looking at the coverage and just going like, wait a second, there are only like eight guys in like yellow coats. And like they all seem to be on like on the wing. Like where are yeah, the other no, people? That, that- 
They weren't very well placed. And Mick Malthouse, he has been ropeable about the whole situation. He said, what if some of them had a knife? And I'm like, what if some of them? Mick, I gave them all knives. I said, <laughs> mate, arm yourselves. You don't know what's going to go down out there. Like, it could be fucking, you know, it's on. You've got to be armed. Um, okay. Can we very quickly go through? Okay. The AFL security plan. Okay. And it's mm. got eight objectives. This is actually from uh, foxsports.com. Yep. Dot you. Okay, let's see how many they got right, okay? Okay, sure. Okay. Protecting and escorting Buddy. Now, escorting us. Sp- oh, no, actually, they didn't do that either. Yeah, okay, protecting and escorting. Well, no, 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 they, they eventually got Buddy off after like 20 minutes or so. But did they get Buddy off or did the crowd get Buddy off? I don't remember seeing any yellow coats around him when they were getting him off. I think there might have been one guy at the front who kind of took the lead. He was probably just like a bikey who happened to be out in the middle of the ground. But I think he... Uh, ultimately was escorted off. So that's a tick for the AFL. They've done a great job. Yeah. Okay. Protecting all players. Okay. So every player on the ground felt safe at all times. Okay. Uh, Cross there. They didn't do that because the Geelong players have since come out and said that they felt targeted Mm. by the uh, Swans fans. They said that they went after them, deliberately bumping into them from behind, trying to knock them over. Zach Tui, as has famously been pointed out, he, someone ran into him. And this is just one of the most amazing stories you'll see. So there's 20, 25,000 people streaming onto the ground. One of them runs into Zach Tui. He drops his keys in his wallet. Zach Tui, rather than looking out for his own safety, picks up the man's keys and wallet and then goes into the mayhem to return them to him. And everyone says, what a great guy Zach Tui is. And I say, what no. a fucking disgrace Zach Tui is. Every man, who, every man and woman knows you don't touch a man's wallet. I'm sorry, Zach Tui. You, go, you know, you've been here long enough, mate. You know that you never touch a man's wallet. I'm sorry. It could, just can't be done. We could possibly forgive him that he's from Ireland and therefore is not familiar with our, coach, our coach, culture of never touching a man's wallet or wife. But that's the only... I'm giving you one warning, Tui. One warning. warning and then you're out of here. For, on the first plane back, mate. He, he, yeah, uh, mate, I, I'm not with you on that. Zach Tui, he's been here long enough. He knows. Like, that's when you... Well, as soon as you walk into a club and he goes, oh, is this your wallet? And, they, and the whole team goes, whoa, 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 Zach. Mate, and then they sit him down like a leading team to go, I, I understand what you were doing, mate. You found the guy's wallet in the car park, but do not hand it back to him. You leave it there. Because the thing is, when you drop a wallet, you know that wherever you leave it, it's going to be there because everyone knows in Australia, you don't fucking touch it. Particularly at Geelong, where this all originated by the yes. fact, you know, teams will have, you know, motivational phrases put on the wall, you know, we control our own destiny. At Geelong, and this is why Billy was so strong at it, it said, <laughs> it said you never touch a man's wallet and wife. And when they come out the race, they all touch it. They touch it's it. the tradition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they touch the sign, but not the wallet. They know the rules. There's a trick wallet. It's, it's, it's stuck next to the sign. They go, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> okay, so protecting the benches. Now, they didn't immediately cut to shots of, you know, trainers on the bench. I think there was more important things going on. But, okay, I don't know the full answer to that, but I'm going to say, you know, no one got let's give that. Let's give that a tick because I reckon everyone would have run past the benches. So I'm saying if you were on the bench, I reckon you were particularly safe. Uh, and a great one Having here. Having said that, 
Having said that, great opportunity though, because everyone's so distracted and people are getting off the ground. Great opportunity to grab yourself a monitor, maybe some water bottles, uh, some you know, some grab a laptop, uh, industrial industrial sized tub of deep heat, like that they'd have to pick up from Costco. There were things to be uh, to be taken there if you were into that kind of thing. Um, run into the rooms, and you could probably walk away with about fifty footballs easily. Okay, here's one, which I don't mm. think they got quite right. Retrieving the 1,000th goal ball. Now, now they, they did get it back. So we're recording this on the Monday. The ball was marked by a guy who, and I'm a surprise. They, they showed uh, the vision of this guy. Obviously, someone filmed him taking the mark behind the goals. There wasn't really a mad scramble like I thought there would be. For something that, you know, you'd assume would be worth quite a bit of money if you got your hands on it that I thought there would have been more of a melee behind the goals to wrench that ball from whoever had it and take it. Because what what if a child grabbed that ball? That just There's every chance that a child could have had this ball, and that is disgusting. You rip the ball out of that child's hands. I just don't think... I don't think they fought hard enough for it in Sydney, and that just shows a lack of respect to our great game. He took a bit of a tumble too, though. Like He came from like two rows back and then fell over yeah. the front. Like It actually would, would have really hurt. Yeah, and then also, you know, he's, he probably, I'm sure he probably loved to run on the ground, but he kind of turns to the camera and goes like, "Geez, I better get out of here now," and just kind of made a run for it. I think yeah, the story he went. He said he went home and slept with the ball. Yeah, I think he said he went and took it home, and then he went out with mm. mates, but he was very worried that someone was going to come over and um, and steal it, so he went home early. Yeah, look, that's a, that's a high level of paranoia, isn't it? That you're just out of the pub, you're having a beer, and you're like, oh, "I swear to God." People know they're on me. There's like probably a microchip at the ball. It's probably like the the AFL integrity unit is probably hovering over the top of the Black Hawk Black mm. Hawk helicopter. You know. <laughs> um, so he took it back to the club. Do, what did he get? I saw him in a photo with Buddy. There was a, a pair of boots in front of him and the ball. So is that all he? Is that all he got? Was just a signed pair of boots? Uh, I I think someone said maybe they were going to fling him like a good membership or something. The only story coming up now is a video story, so I'm lo- lo- I can't really play it while we're on air talking. But I would think you would want more than that, wouldn't you? You want I'd want a, uh, at least a ten year membership. I'd want a membership for the length of Buddy Franklin's last contract. I would want um, SCG membership. I would want to be in the coach's box for every home game. You know, really push on it because mate, I'd you've got play. the ball. I'd want to play. You, I want. I want to. I yeah. want to get a spot in the twenty two. If we make the grand final... So he's, he's he can hold this ball to ransom, right? You've got the whip hand here, buddy. And in the negotiations while I go into the swans, I'm holding it over a shredder. <laughs> and so Great. you go like, well, okay, guys. She's getting, <laughs> getting pretty slippery. Getting pretty slippery. What are you going to yeah, do? Yeah. Come to the party. Like, yeah, you don't go to the SCG. You do it at like a, a place that um, you know makes wood chips. So you're standing over a wood chipper with the ball... And so they've got like a sniper and you're going, mate, you, you, okay. Ben Roberts doesn't, he's not really employable at the moment, right? So the Swans have him there ready to fucking, t- I know he's not a sniper, but I'm sure he could do it. I'm sure he's capable of taking the man Very careful. <laughs> very careful. You get, like, so the Swans, you say to the Swans, this is like a, like a Clint Eastwood movie. He's standing over a wood chipper with the ball and he goes, you got to meet my demands or else the ball gets it. Can I tell you a story today about a kind of, it's a bit different, but like um, kind of getting rewarded. So someone told me a story today. Have you ever heard this story about Shane Warne getting a lifetime McDonald's card, a free McDonald's card? Do they exist? Well, my friend was telling me that Warney did an ad for them. 
mm. or did some kind of promotion for them. And he said, I want like a year's worth of McDonald's, like, or, or maybe even longer than that. I want to be able to go into Macca's and get it for free. And yep. they're like, we don't have that card. And he's like, no, nah, I had one in the, 80, uh, in the 90s. And then they went back through their records and they found out that he, he did actually have one. <laughs> and so they're like, really? oh, yeah, okay, we do do that. And then he said, yeah, and I want one for my kid too. <laughs> so they ended up two for free, free Macca's. But I reckon that's fair enough. If, if someone's going to... Because um, not many people openly uh, talk up McDonald's at the moment. You know, It's not the healthiest food getting around. So if someone of that profile goes, hey, I'm very I will post, about the product. Yeah, I'll post a lot of me eating your product, then I'm on board. So on to the next of our eight operatives. Okay. Mm. Uh, safely managing the patrons coming on and off the ground. Okay. Uh, massive cross there. I don't think you can give a big enough cross. Like, how are you supposed to safely manage 25,000 people tearing onto the ground. Now they got people o- I mean they got people off. Yeah. They didn't really do anything to get people on. But having said that, I haven't heard any reports about people getting hurt or anything. Well, that was the thing that came out that all the people who have whinged about and said, "Oh, it could have been, it could have been." And you know, what if a child got crushed under there? You know what? If I'm a child and I got crushed under there, how excited are you? When you finally get back to primary school six months later and everyone goes, where have you been? You go, <laughs> I was on the middle of the SEG and got trampled yep. underneath the Buddies 1000th. The people are like, oh, my God, that's amazing. You're a hero. Stop saying it like it's a fucking bad thing. When I was a kid, I would have loved to have been underneath one of those piles. Would so have they, loved you, it. You're taken away from what the don't, – don't speak for the kids. Right? Maybe one of them had a knife. He goes down, fucking bang. He's just, you know, popping people's calves. They can look after themselves, kids, these days. They're very resilient. Have you run on the ground? You ran on when, when Buddy did it, didn't you? I did not, no. I stood there. Oh. I could be fucked. Oh, okay. I, 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 you know what? Actually, that night, I'm pretty sure I was, uh, I thought, I won't run on for Buddy, but I'll run on for Fev. Yep. And then your motherfucking coach <laughs> had to go and ruin it for everyone. I ran on for Buddy that day. I had to think about it the other day. I think I saw the Chief do it four times. Yep. And each time I didn't run on. I don't really know why. Like people were you did sitting too far away? Do you know if you were on the bottom level? For uh, actually, I remember one against one. Carlson and I would have been like up the top of Waverley. Yep. And then there was one at the MCG and I was in the uh, corporate for ANZ. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just making that up. Excuse me, Your Majesty. <laughs> Um, this is pre royal commission, was it? Yeah, no, no, just that was a merger deals? match. No, no, I was, I was, um, I wasn't far too, too far from when he kicked the um the merger match one. Yeah. Um, and then I think he kicked one in a final, and then I think I feel he might have kicked two in a final before, but I'm not totally sure. I think he definitely kicked yeah. one in um '94 final against the uh, Kangaroos. Okay. So no, I don't think the I don't think they uh, did their job in helping manage the patrons coming on and off the ground. Can I say, like as I said before, the, the the people that got over the fence, like they were, I reckon it took them what maybe ten, not even ten seconds to get to Buddy because he was deep in the pocket. Not even ten, though, and though you notice they were running on, like the people had about a twenty meter head start before it even kicked it. Now the one thing uh, you know, we always laugh about Melbourne supporters and how toffy they are and stuff. Can I just say that the eastern suburbs of Sydney, there was a sea of Chino heading towards oh, Buddy sure. Franklin. Yeah. There were a lot of RM Williams slipping across that surface. That is one highfalutin um, fan base for sure, for sure. From the look of the dude who marked the ball, and if he was like, oh, I could get two hundred thousand dollars for it. I'm sure Dad just said to him the next morning, "Look, 
I'll give you two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, is now, that all you've got? Just a two hundred thousand dollar ball. I get a half a million dollar ball out the back, son. Do you want it? This is the uh, final one, and uh, I like this. At one their more. house, they've got a Fabergé ball that they kick around at Christmas. Um, uh, so you're yeah. not laughing at that because you're like, oh yeah, we've got a Fabergé <laughs> ball too. Doesn't everyone have a Fabergé? <laughs> final operative? Uh, security teams understand their roles. Yeah. Now I think I think it's pretty safe to say, when your job was to run out and protect Buddy, and you're beaten to that job by twenty five thousand people, I think yeah. it's safe to say you you weren't quite sure of what your role was meant to be. Do you reckon after the match, because it took about half an hour before the match actually got underway again, there was five minutes to go. Do you reckon after the game, everything's done, they call them all in the room and just have like a little bit of a debrief? Say, guys, how do we reckon that was? Let's talk the positives <laughs> and let's have a chat about some of the negatives. Like just in case <laughs> for the next person that gets to a thousand, let's just talk through the pluses and minuses of what we just went through. That's or do they fine. call them all in and go, uh, guys, I reckon um, we're probably going to lose the contract. Yeah. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, no, nah, yeah. we're, we're fucked. I feel like you can hand in your coat on the way out. <laughs> Let's have a look at the uh, current tally, actually. You're now thinking about the next people that might kick a 1,000. So looking down to uh, Jack Revolt, number 22 on the list. He's on 718. So that's interesting. I would have thought, if, if this is a guessing game, that you didn't allow me to play, I would have said Josh Kennedy would have been next. Josh Kennedy is 20 goals behind, 30 goals behind. Okay. And then Tom Hawkins. So, so if they have, if if each of them has like a really crack season of like 160 to 170 goals yeah. per season, particularly, you know, the what would you say? Hawkins has got maybe three years left. I reckon Jack's very close to the end, as is uh, JK. Yeah, yeah. If they have yeah, a crack yeah. season, like if you know, you just at every opportunity, this is up to their teammates now to just feed it to them. So they're having 20 to 25 shots per game. I think it's the only way we're going to see it. But from one incident, from one event of Buddy kicking his thousand, so many things came out of it. There was a woman in the middle of the ground who ran out and scattered ashes, filmed herself, or was filmed scattering ashes, and I think uh, across the middle of the SCG. Now, I think she was um, scattering Port Adelaide's premiership hopes, but... (laughs) How do you go with that in your head? You're like, I've got Nana in my pocket. She was a big Swans fan. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to scatter the ashes. What's your take on, on that kind of thing? Well, on Nana's, yeah. So I actually had a friend a few years ago who called up Hawthorne about scattering ashes at Glenfrey Oval, I think it was. Okay. And the club said, actually, you, you might be surprised, but we actually get this request quite a bit. Yeah. But they say we don't encourage it by the fact that um, – you're not quite ashes. Like, there can be a few crumply bits in there. Like, <laughs> like a bit clumpy. That kind of, not bone as such, but like, could be a damaging if a player, you know, skid on their knees and got, got it caught in gold their knees. Gold tooth, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. A chain, a gold chain even. A gold chain, yeah, absolutely. What, <laughs> if, what if Nan was heavily pierced? <laughs> and one of the players, you know, comes across her, you know, stabs themselves in her nipple piercing. You don't want that. And so my friend eventually did go off to Waverley and do it in the shot in the yeah. spot where Gary Bacchanara, um had the shot in the oh. prelim, and because you know you, I think maybe Glen Ferry was locked and you couldn't get yep. it, you can get into Waverley, you know, easily. Yep. Um, but you just don't advertise it. But yeah, they said we don't actually encourage it because it's um, it could actually be a bit of a health hazard. So if anything, that lady yeah, should no, be hunted I, down I, and arrested. 
Absolutely. Or uh, the, the swans should do like how the guy gives the ball to Buddy. The swans, as a sign of good gesture, they should give give the ashes back to the girl. <laughs> That's not bad. We did that with my grandfather at Princess Park, but but he wasn't cremated. Yeah. Scattered him everywhere. And then, of course, there were the two players who ended up outside the ground. So there, then again, that's a, probably a, another cross against your security team that they're supposed to be looking after <laughs> these players. So Ollie Florent and Chad Warner were actually outside the ground, which I find very surprising. Like, how do two Swans players, that's their home ground, They would that's their home deck. It's not like they don't know where they're going. How do they end up, like, do they go, hey, which way is the change rooms? Is it through these turnstiles that we can't go back through? Like, how the fuck do two Sydney players end up on the outside of a ground? Well, if I remember correctly, I think the, uh, let me think, the Driver Avenue side of the Swans, where they have, you can picture, like, the, I suppose, more traditional awning and the training ground across the road. I have a feeling that it's a bit trickier to access the ground from the other side. Like, it's more like there's a smaller number of access areas and you kind of just walk further. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, actually what they did to actually get back into the ground. And then on top of that, I heard an interview with um, the horse on Crunch Time on SDN, and he was saying they had organised safe houses around the ground, so safe rooms. <laughs> really? Where where if the players, you know, got completely oh, lost yeah. or whatever, like they yeah. go, go to the go to the Ian Chapel room and they'll have yeah. people there waiting for you to escort you down to the... Um, the rooms and then they had to do a head count when they got into the rooms because they're like we don't know if <laughs> we've got everyone in here so that was a great opportunity if you were a swans fan who wanted to get back onto the ground you just dress up as a footy player you wear your boots to the game you're just standing outside and you go oh hey i've been locked out and they're like oh come in you uh, i mean you know you're fucking bald and you're 48 but please come in <laughs> <laughs> we'll send you down to the change rooms you're like no worries chief and then you run them back out, your horse, play me on the back flank. In reality, it is actually the most pure football in real life of all time. If you saw them walking down the street outside the ground when they literally yeah. were playing football at that moment. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I don't know, because you didn't see in the photo because they were filming from the back. But they both had a couple of pies in their hands. So that was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, mate, they were two beers deep by the time they got on. <laughs> Hey, uh, our live show, Adam. Our live show. Oh, it's coming up this Sunday, Junk Timers. It's going to be fucking massive. Now, you may not have known from our socials, we had to make a change. So, of course, the live show is this Sunday at 4 o'clock at the European Beer Cafe, Sunday, April 3rd. We, of course, have Luke Beveridge. We, of course, have Jonathan Brown. But there has been a late change. Mick Malloy has had to come out. Uh, 4 p.m. was probably a little bit early. For Mickey, and he has been replaced in the named side with none other than junk time favourite, Lawrence Mooney. So it's going to be a huge afternoon. Get your asses down there. You can get your tickets at trybooking.com. Just type in junk time, and it's going to be fucking great. And if you want to see two comedians just rip the shit out of a bloke Mm. who has been fired from a Triple M gig, a plum, sweet, well-paid Triple M gig, this is the show for you. You know what I love? There's going to be a point where either Lawrence Mooney or Luke Beveridge does a Will Smith on you. <laughs> so they're going to, you're going to be Chris Rock, and you're, you're, you're equals in my eyes. You're both equals. Are you uh, going to make a fun joke? 
And I reckon that Be- I reckon I'm going to put my money on Bevo just to give you a big slap across the chops. Yeah, let's find out. I feel I've, I've got a slight feeling we're going to be a little bit more cautious with our Bevo gear. <laughs> Absolutely. You see two guys who talk the talk who do not walk the walk. But uh, yeah, please come along, junk timers. There's still a few tickets left if you want to come along. Sunday, 4 p.m. at the European Beer Cafe in Exhibition Street in the city. Get your tickets at Try Booking. Can Luke you believe Beveridge it's going to be a um, Brown. oh, and your your comedy festival show? Give the details for that, man. I start April twelfth, so you got a little bit of time at uh, trybooking.com. And don't forget, there's a special code for junk timers to get yourselves a little bit of a discount for supporting us. You type in the code LOWDOG, all one word. And um, actually, I've been working with Adam a little bit on the show. Just he's been you know sending me clips of you know the gigs mm. they've been doing and you know a bit of the sample because of the writing. And uh, I must say, folks, it's uh. Really wanted to give a miss. So, <laughs> um, can you believe it's going to be a Hawthorne Carlton grand final? I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Can you get us tickets? That's the thing. I'll, you'll be in a different section to me. I don't want to camp out with you. No, no, and I don't want to watch you cry. I mean, it's been so long since you've um, you've you know won a grand final. I don't need to kind of. I'd feel like uh, I feel mean for us to kind of destroy this you and like it's all over in the first this isn't how it's supposed to go like Hawthorne are not supposed to be at the top of the ladder you're supposed to be down on the bottom I, I was supposed to revel for years at the ineptness of Hawthorne and the, the cycle of you having to rebuild and start again you've got a new coach who you'd probably sack midway through last year and 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 drafting players that don't work out and getting Ruckman who fucking break down every two minutes and and first-round draft picks who just don't work out. That's what I was supposed to fucking live through. And now, two games in, you're on top of the ladder. you got a percentage of 173, and you demolish yeah. Port Adelaide on their home deck. This is not how it's supposed to be. I do find it funny how people get very excited. Like, I mean, I'm not even talking tongue-in-cheek, but, like, um, yeah, after two rounds, and people are like, oh, gee, Hawthorne's showing some stuff. And it's like, eh, let's just wait, guys. Let's just wait. They don't hand about fucking premierships in April, April mate. Unless it's the no. AFLW, <laughs> when they actually yeah. do. <laughs> yes, they do. So, yes, uh, Carlton are playing Hawthorne this week, t- uh, this this Sunday. Um, two undefeated teams. The first time Carlton's been undefeated after two rounds in 10 years. And, uh, fuck, I tell you what, winning footy, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know how you've done it, mate. I still don't. It's uh, it's a great feeling. It is fun. I mean, I had a gig on Saturday night. What's that? Smashed it. Big deal. Who cares? Mm. Um, and I only got to watch, like, the last kind of quarter of the game, but I, you know, it just kind of puts a bit of a spring in your step, doesn't it? And you kind of, you explore more about the game. Like you look up online, you look up YouTube, you look up all the articles, they kind of just find out more and more, look at the stats more intensely. There is not enough media when you win. Can I just say that? As someone who is new to this, I look at every possible article ever written about, you know, a win. But it's going to be interesting because uh, the Western Bulldogs are zero and two, and no one would have picked that at the you know. I mean, this is a grand finals from last year. Obviously, they played against last year's premiers, and they played against this year's premiers, and it's going to be tough for them. They're playing the Sydney Swans this weekend, so we may get Luke Beveridge at a very tough time <laughs> I was in say, the season. Can I, can anyone anyone with a bit of a cough? Can you uh, just go to the Swans training or something and just kind of? Get a few outs for us. Well, uh, you know what? Actually, the, the Sydney Swans fans probably did us a little bit of a favour with 30,000 people running around <laughs> all their players. Surely, surely quite a few of them would have come down with something. Yeah, fuck, man. 
What about that with the Eagles? That was amazing. Was it like 14 changes in the end? I think 13 were because of COVID. And then yeah. one of their players uh, injured their knee in the warm-up. Like, I mean, <laughs> Adamson's had enough on his plate. Because he, <laughs> he was still trying to learn the names of the players on his team that he'd never met before. Well, there were a few that had never trained with him. So he basically said, I couldn't give a game plan to the whole team. I just have to g- had to give individual blokes like a role and just go, hey, can you try and do this? And then... You know, they they were, they were still in it, like, in the last quarter. I thought they did a good job, the Eagles, considering they were travelling. And they even had, like, as well as the 14 changes, they had Jack Darling in the team. And that's a fucking liability for anyone. So, well uh, done, West Coast. You fought, you fought hard. It's funny. Like, if you, if you don't know who the players are, and they go on the field and they, like, you know, get a few touches, and you go, oh, nah, they're being a bit shit. And there could be someone who'd be like, no, no, they never get a few touches. They're going fantastically. Keep yeah, them yeah, on. they're doing really well. But how exciting. Like, if you're a top-up player, because uh, one of them was Stefan Giro, who played for Freo, but there were a couple who'd never played uh, at AFL level before. How fucking exciting would it be just to Dude, go, you'd love you're it. doing all right in the waffle, and then they go, oh, we need a top-up list, and you're like, oh, your name's on it, but you think, I'm never going to go. And then they're like, oh, you're going to be flying to Melbourne. You're like, I'm still never going to get a game. And then... You get a game and you get to play at the top level. What a great story. Yeah, do you think the website, like, it's kind of quite nice when they do that these days. They get the player to call their mum and dad and they call <laughs> them up and they're like, Mum, I'm playing today. Oh, my God, yeah. God, that's lovely. So great. And I'm never playing ever again. <laughs> but you had a good run time. You know what they missed out on, though, is giving the players, like, ridiculously high numbers. Ah, uh, yeah, like sure, why, sure. Why wasn't there an 84 running around, you know? Yeah, give give gotcha. a guy a 92. Like, just have a bit of fucking fun with it. Because as Adam Simpson just handed out the, the jumpers to the players who never have, they were all on, like, um, coat hangers. He was standing there with, like, a rack of coat hangers, just taking them off and handing them out. You'd almost be a bit like, um, you know, here's your jumper. Mm. Um, can we get it back after the game? Because we... Yeah. Don't really think you need, you know, it. Yeah. you need This has cost us a it. fortune to get you blokes here. Dude, we had to go to the merch shop to get an extra jumper, put a number on yeah. it. Um, did you know anyone who was at the fire alarm at the Collingwood match? Uh, so Limo had performed at the Collingwood President's Lunch and they were basically told... Uh, so ba- if, if you don't know the story, the fire alarm went off during the Collingwood-Adelaide game on Saturday afternoon. So it was during the second quarter and I kind of had it on in the background and then you just... You could hear the talk through the commentary of just, you could hear something being said in the MCG. And so Fox footy lowered the ambience so you could hear the commentators over the top better. But then you started to hear the whoop, whoop. And you're like, oh, there's something quite serious going on. And people just pouring for the exits. And Liam said, yeah, we, we were supposed to leave. And then, you know, after a couple of minutes, they told him to come back in. If I had to burn down the MCG, mm. And I'm not saying that's not a possibility at some stage. Let's wait for well, September. Well, you know, the, the, the cladding's very flammable. so it's Well, I was going to say, like, on the roof it is, but, like, mm. how simple do you think it would be to burn down the MCGs by the fact, you know, a lot of it is broad areas concrete of concrete. And steel. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think you could burn the whole thing down. I mean, I, I think you could set off different parts and you could certainly do some damage to bars and corporate areas. But in terms of the whole structure, you'd need, you know, uh, jet fuel doesn't burn steel. I know that because I've watched a lot of documentaries. I was about to tell you that, yeah. I, I saw you at a few of the meetings. <laughs> so, 
So I think it would be hard to burn the whole thing down, but you could certainly set it back a few weeks if you... Not that we're planning anything, junk timers. Don't get us wrong, but I think it would be really hard to do. There's not a lot of flammable shit within the ground anymore, I wouldn't have thought. Well, the, would, would the chairs go off quickly? Or would they take a while Good to point. Burn? Good point. No, the chairs would melt, wouldn't they? And they'd just probably smolder for quite a bit. Yeah, they'd kind of smell bad. Yeah, look, I wouldn't want to be in a, in a hot air balloon above the MCGs that went up. I think a lot of stuff would burn and burn for a long time. It'd be like a tyre fire, I reckon. It'd be like Melbourne would be known for that smouldering football ground that they have right in the middle of their city. I'm amazed there weren't more fires back in the day when people were smoking and they you know, dropping Mate. it on streamers and stuff like that. What about that one at Arden Street? I mean, that if you've ever seen the vision of that, so that was in the 70s. There was, I think it was a, like a... Um, like a food caravan, like we have now, you know, the food vans are a big kind of novelty sort of thing. But back in the day, that's where you got all your food from. And mm. one of those went up out in the wing and fuck it went up like that. That, you know, all the grease and probably streamers that they'd stuffed on top of the grease to try and put it out didn't go so well. But luckily back then, everyone was wearing duffel coats. So you're fucking protected. But even that horrible footage at Arden Street again, like remember that time when that elephant caught on fire? <laughs> that was brutal. That was that was that was actually really hard to watch again and again and again and again. I, I found yeah, but that, that'll teach the elephant to smoke. I mean, they've got to learn their lesson, you know. <laughs> but the thing I thought was really weird. Okay, so you've got a potential fire somewhere in the ground. One of the safest spaces you would imagine to be would be on the MCG turf. On right? the ground, but They just yeah. kept the players there and they said, and they go to the crowd, I'll oh, just go into the stands. We don't know where the fire is, but just go in there somewhere and you'll be fine. I would yeah, have yeah. thought that... And make sure you use the elevators, safe. guys, to get down there quicker. <laughs> but eventually we just worked out it was like some food stall that, you know... Yeah. Things got a bit too heated. Which also makes me wonder, like... <laughs> maybe it's like chips that went off or something, but it's like... I mean, they don't have a great reputation for making food hot already, let alone making an actual <laughs> yeah, fire. Yeah, making a catch fire. But maybe it was in the, like, fancy section, the Guy Grossi section. Ah, so maybe yeah, the, sure. Maybe the baked snapper was, someone forgot about it, left it in the oven, and you just see it started smouldering from within the foil it was in. Yeah, sure. Maybe someone had the uh, the um, rabbit terrine, and then it yeah. just mm, came out the other end a little bit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh... We'll wrap it up shortly. But can we talk quickly mm. about the border breacher? Yeah, so the uh, one of the Melbourne uh, border breaches, um, Hayden Burbank. Hayden Burbank. He has done friend a mea culpa. Yes, definite friend of the show. He's done a mea culpa in the paper, and he's not doing it. He knows he broke the law, Michael. And this is what really comes across in the article is how um, humbled he is by what happened to him. You know, he's. He's embarrassed that he got that he went through Darwin and cheated his way into WA to see his team's first premiership. While in. people could not go and see their dying family yeah. members. And he's even apologised to nurses. I mean, that is a man who is remorseful. He said, I feel bad for the nurses. And that tells me that he, he knows he's done wrong. You know, he, he said, the nurses, they did it tough. And I, I went to prison. Not a big deal. You know, I shouldn't have been there. I'm sorry. Can you feel... Can you, can you accept my apologies? And I think as a nation, as a footballing nation, everyone's gone, oh, yeah, we get it, mate. You've, you've said sorry. Thanks. Yeah, come on, mate. Like, you know, who amongst us hasn't gone to Darwin, faked our papers to get illegally into Western Australia during a, go- a global pandemic while yeah. the game has actually been held in Western Australia because you came yeah. from a place which is quite high in numbers and in lockdown Absolutely. and therefore we're kind of a bit frightened that 
even though we've kept the country separate for about a year and a half and things are going really well in WA, that you just came in, um, yeah. you know, illegally, I should add, by the way. Oh, by the way, you also um, either have or will face charges in um, Darwin as well or possibly face charges in Northern Territory yeah. as well. So, you, But, uh, again, at the end of the day, mm. you've praised the nurses, so done? we're on your side. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 like, as you were... As you was, you'd been to the grand final and you got your photos in the rooms and on the ground with the Premiership Cup. And as you were sitting back in your resort three hours away in Margaret River, thinking, thinking of nothing but those nurses. <laughs> just going, you know, talking to your mate, probably talking to, you know, uh, Babbage and just going, wow, man, how about those nurses, man? How about those nurses? Like, remember that flight we took? Remember that time we pretended we were in Hotham for quite some time because uh, Mount Hotham was outside the metropolitan area of Melbourne and therefore we looked safer, which started our trip to Darwin and then we flew to Darwin. Remember that? Fuck, remember those times we talked about the nurses the whole way across? God, I, th- those nurses did a great job. I reckon when he got out in the middle of the ground, because there mm. are photos of that with the club, you know, when they're probably yeah. about to just do the song or whatever. I reckon when they handed him the cup, filled with mm. champagne and they said mate you're 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 part of this as well being a fucking bartender and fucking no bar owner in chapel street yeah you have a you have a sip of this cup this is a gift for you and yeah. just before he, he 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 drank that sweet nectar he went nurses oh he probably poured poured one out for the nurses <laughs> like dude you're wasting the whole thing he goes uh, uh fellas fellas can everyone can we stop singing the melbourne theme yeah. song Guys, disrespectful Everyone. right now because yeah, there are nurses yeah. doing it tough. Christian, Christian, Clayton, Gorney, can you just think of the fucking nurses, mate? <laughs> he went up to um, Gorney and said, hey, mate, you managed to mention like the five sponsors. Where yeah. are the fucking nurses? Hey, mate. they got you through it. Yeah. And, so, and the thing is, what I like is that he says that people will think he's an entitled Melbourne wanker, but he's not, Michael. No. The guy's not a, he's not a wanker. He's no. not entitled. You no. tell me which bit, which bit of going to Hotham, then going to Darwin, then going to the footy, then going in the ground, and going in the change rooms, and then going down to Margaret River. You tell me which bit of that is entitled all wanker. <laughs> you can't. You fucking can't. Because he grew up, and this is what I love in the article, they talk about how tough he's done it, right? He grew up as a part of the Melbourne cheer squad. He's just a regular, he's just a regular Joe Blow, just in the cheer squad, just hanging out. Making banners, you know. Robbie Flower was his favourite player. That says you can't be entitled because you love Robbie Flower and he was the people's wingman. I, I'm trying to get my head around a little bit about this article. Like, mm. because he he does talk about contrition. He's also, quote, saying it was the greatest night of my life. Yeah. I'm trying to work out, is it trying to build the reputation back? By the fact, it's not like he's a known Melbourne identity. Like, there'd be people in that bar scene who know him, you yeah. know. But but I'm trying to go, like, why wouldn't you just keep your head down? Or why... I, I, I don't really quite see how he could win from this article. But he also says, he says it quoted here, it says, I am far from a snob. A man who owns a bar on Chapel Street in South Yarra and has a house in Turk. The guy's not a fucking snob because he says he's not. And he's I'm with him. He's fucking souls of the earth. He is. He is. There. He talks a little bit about his time in the clink. Yeah. And he. I. I actually don't buy this bit. He said when he walked in, they were all calling out border breacher, border breacher, border breacher. Oh I, fucking! I, I that's got to hurt bit. too. Imagine uh, hearing that ringing through your ears, just hearing border breacher. 
Wouldn't it be like you fucking border breaching cunt as well? Like it wouldn't be like border breacher, yeah. border breacher. But I don't yeah. think I don't think the people in the jail are following this story so closely that they instantly recognise this man when he walks through the door. Well, mate, uh, what was he wearing though? Did he have a Melbourne scarf on? You know, was he wearing his Melbourne jumper? Did he stick with it? Like, was he? How how dedicated a Melbourne fan is this guy? If I'm going into prison, I'm going up to people going, yeah, yeah, I'm a fucking border breacher, mate. Then he and talked about... And did you about... see how good the fucking demons were? You didn't get to go to the grand final because you're in here for 25 to life, but I fucking went. I think he talked about he's been, he was in a rough cell with some bloke. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, kind of explains jail. <laughs> I just said the def- definition of jail, pretty much. And then he got moved to what they called the ghetto. He got moved. He's in the ghetto. In the ghetto. And he... I don't really know why a border breacher, though, gets sent to the hard prison. Because he said the top dog... um, And and they were pretty angry because, you know, they just lost the grand final in Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) And I said the top dog was a Swans fan, and so he actually looked after him. Yeah. He said, even though you're a border breacher, I would have done the same, mate. I mean, this guy has done... He's been in the ghettos before. Like, there was one time when his house was getting renoed in Turak, he had to go stay in Glen Iris for a bit. Yeah, for sure. When he was at Margaret River, he had to get an Airbnb. I mean, that kind of stuff is not ready for he was ready for prison. So, eventually they get out and you come back. Now, am I right he still runs the bar? By the fact, I think if you have a conviction... Con- oh, well, other people do it, but I think if you have a conviction, you can't... Um, get a liquor license but i'm sure other people uh, can get around that yeah i'm not sure and i do believe he actually has um face of music in darwin and he hasn't been i think they just got maybe a fine up Slap there i think they actually yeah, sure. got away with it yeah, but he's not a sure. snob michael i think junk timers if you are going into that bar yeah please know that you're going it's just a regular joe smo so if you actually get back there get around him this is just a regular guy who's done it tough for three months because he couldn't he couldn't make any money during that time you know you know what's really shit though and and mm. be very careful about this if you do go to the bar yeah. um don't order any western australian wine because mm. he has to go to hotham then go to darwin <laughs> then go to perth yeah. Then go back to Darwin, back to Hotham, back to Melbourne. Yeah, like it's, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, it's it's warm by then. It's warm. Yeah, you you think it's fun to order a Swan Lager, but that just gives him flashbacks. And also, this this is an absolute clincher. Okay, mm. the whole article. Yeah. Okay, we've gone basically through the through the article, but he's determined to move on. And not a snob, guys. Not a snob. No snob. Not, not a snob. snob. Uh, part of that was attending the grand final rematch in round one. Doesn't mean you're a snob. Just went to the footy. Absolutely. Just like, went to the footy, man. Yeah, like, average footy fan. We've all done it. I feel like the journal maybe put this one as a, as a joke or something. Like, I don't think it's an addition that you need. But anyway, not a snob. Uh, playing <laughs> and pl- He's planning an extravagant Great Gatsby-themed birth- 50th birthday party next month. He's going to dress as Jay Gatsby. And are they... To prove you're not a snob, do you, do you have a fucking Great Gatsby <laughs> theme party. Isn't that the whole thing about um, overindulgence and oh, and being God. loaded? Isn't that what the whole Great Gatsby is about? Oh, God. God. But I suppose maybe he's doing it because he's never experienced that because he's just a regular guy. He's not a snob. So he wants yeah. to see what it's like to live the other half. Like, I'm just the, I'm just the average person. I just mm. happen to look up greatly 
to the character that was once played by <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. Absolutely, just a reg- another reg- one of the most regular people in the world. Run of the mill bloke. Ah, oh, dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. Good times. Hey, yeah, should we do a uh, football in real life? Don't forget our live show, guys, coming up next Sunday. Try tickets at Try Booking along with Adam's show for the comedy festival. Hey, can we make a note of last week? I talked about taking a little radio to the game so I can listen to the coverage. Mm. You called me. You mocked me. You've called me a snob. I mock you mercilessly. Did I call you a snob or did I call you more of an uh, outdated fool? Yeah, I think more the, the outdated role. Mm. And then a lot of support on the uh, socials and email from people saying, it no, really that's was. what you do. Because they often yeah. – I, I, I made the argument that the apps and the internet and all that kind of stuff isn't good enough. So it keeps on you know, dropping out of buffering. So the radio is a good way to go. Often at the ground, uh, you can't get AM. I mean, I've just got like little shitty ones that fit in my pocket. Yep, yep. But um, so usually I'm listening to Triple M, but that doesn't you know upset me. I'm not really fussed what I listen to. Triple M and, rocks football. Well, I mean that that is a good point. And mm. uh, actually, I'm not actually listening to the football. I'm listening to um Smooth FM. <laughs> <laughs> and so there was a lot of support. So I, I, I do you, do you never take a radio? No, I never take a radio. Um, the other the other thing that came out um, what people were saying that the the the, 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 the delay. Yeah. On any internet app is just uh, pathetic. That you'll be at least thirty seconds behind, so it's pointless. So therefore, the radio um, gets rid of the delay as well. But I think you know what? Because my dad never took a radio to the footy, and yep. so it was just never been in my world. We just watched what's going on, and you know, if someone got injured, then it'd just be the the whispers around, you know, around the people around us, and there'd always be one person with a radio who'd be like ninety seconds to go, and you're like, "Fuck yeah, we're on, we're on," you know, that kind of thing. But I would yeah. never know. I think part of it too is I probably need to get my eyes checked, but I think I can't see a great deal on the far side of the ground, you know, when it's yep. down the far end and stuff. So I need a bit of help to, you know, let me know what's going Do on. Do you mean when it's on the southern stand side of the ground because <laughs> you are on the opposite side? You can't – maybe they need to clean the glass in the long That's room. That's what I was going to so say. They should open the glass, you know. No, yeah. wonder, no wonder I'm, I'm struggling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, football in real life. Now, do you reckon Ted Richards would be living in Melbourne or have any – He'd still be in I think he's in Melbourne, yeah. In Melbourne, do you think? Yeah. Because um, I think I walked past him at a shopping centre uh, early today. Oh, okay. Pushing well, I know he's probably down here supporting his brother because his brother couldn't live in Sydney. It's too expensive. Pushing a pram? Does that sound right, do you think? I haven't kept up with his uh, childbirthing. Mm. Um, anyway, from uh, someone. Sorry, I don't have the name in front of me. From Ted Richards. Um, former West Coast uh, Eagles captain Darren Glass on a business call in shorts and thongs on Rottnest Island in WA. He ducked out for a beachside restaurant uh, to take the call. And while he p- paced around on the phone, there was the obligatory quacker scurrying at his feet. Oh, thank you, whoever sent that in. No, it's very kind of you. Hey, Have uh, you been to Roddy? I haven't been to Roddy, no. No, I've been to Perth a whole bunch of times, but no, never actually made the, the trek across. Oh, it's fantastic. It's beautiful on Roddy. I love it. How big is it, do you think? Uh, excellent question. I reckon you could jog. You could ride around it in probably half an hour, I reckon. Yeah, sure. What do you think it's it was for? Small. Like, did it have a purpose back in the day? I reckon it was an outpost because it's got a lighthouse on it, so it's probably just to let you know that you're close to the coast of yeah, WA. Sure, sure. And also called Rat Rotness because the Dutch uh, thought they were rats. Oh, okay. Huh. Fuck it, so stupid think Dutch. It's, mate, it's a quokka. Get off the fucking hash brownies, you dumb cunt. <laughs>
Uh, we're going to hit the road with Junk Time Hoffa Pod at Gmail, Twitter, Facebook, and the Gram. I go the undefeated blue. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.